HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, and today is Tuesday, October 13th, 2015. Wow, we've got some great dudes today, including author and brewer Christian Benedetti, and some brewers from Portland, Oregon, including The Commons, Gigantic, and Occidental. Welcome, guys. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks, for, thanks for saying Oregon, right? Oregon. <laughs> and Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. If you have questions for our guests today, you can tweet us at beer underscore sessions. All right, so we got, let's go around the table and everyone introduce themselves. And uh, so this is the Portland, Oregon show. Thanks to Christian Benedetti. So, Christian, this is so cool, man. You were in New York for a long time. You wrote your, your, your book about the ale trails, which I still love. And now you're back with, a, with another book and with your co writer, Andrea. Yes. Yeah, here we are. Um, we're really psyched today is the day the book came out, actually. So. Um, this book started as a, as a project when Andrea came to me after an event when I was debating a guy uh, about beer versus wine with cheese, and uh, I was wearing a like Mexican wrestling outfit, and uh, and uh, Andrea was suitably uh, impressed by the uh, performance, I guess. But they came up and uh, and said, you know, you guys want to work on a book, you know? So we put together the concept for beer bites and started cooking. And Andrea's an incredible chef, and so she was developing recipes. I was pairing beers, and we worked on it uh, last year for about six months. That's great. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you. We're going to talk about the book a little bit, but, but gentlemen, also introduce yourselves and say the names of your brewery. Uh, well, I'm Dan Engler, I'm one of the owners and um, uh, brewmaster, I guess. Uh, at uh, Occidental Brewing in Portland. Uh, been around for about four and a half years, and we do predominantly uh, German-style beers, although we um, throw a Belgian in there once in a while. Uh, and, yeah, our joke is that we make uh, beer-flavored beer. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, well, we just got some of your beers. I know you guys, <laughs> part of this whole thing, you're here for, you're at the Nomad tonight, the launch of your book, Beer Bites, and um, tomorrow you'll be at Jimmy's number 43. And I know from... From you guys in Occidental, we've got a keg of your Kolsch, a keg of your Dunkelweizen, and a keg of your Keller beer. Yeah. So that's going to be really great here tomorrow night. And then, Mike, how are you, buddy? Good, Good. to see you back on Good. the show, man. Nice to see you too, Jimmy. All right. So, yeah, my name's Mike Wright. I'm the uh, founder of the Commons Brewery, uh, also in Portland, Oregon. And we're a small, um, sort of European-inspired, Belgian-French, German-inspired beers. Uh, another way to summarize it is we, we focus on yeast-forward beers. All right, and you said you're you're, uh, you're not only just you're, you're European brewery styles with Northwestern ingredients, uh, whenever that? possible. Yeah. <laughs> and for you tomorrow, you, really that up, you? <laughs> you guys brought the Urban Farmhouse, the Gather Around Beer, and the Genuine Lime Myrtle. Uh, ginger Lime Myrtle. Ginger Lime yeah, Myrtle. Urban Farmhouse, and uh, Gather Around Beer is, is more of a tagline we use. So there's there's something else in there. It's probably Madrone. Madrone, which is a for us a, a relatively hop forward um, beer, 
We're very reserved in our uh, use of hops. So we we Van, Van likes to tease us about hop <laughs> No, I said no. <laughs> Sean likes to tease himself. The brewer Sean is always like, it's like we think that you know about I don't know somewhere in a third of a pound a barrel. That's kind of like the magic number at the commons. You know? <laughs> Funny. And this guy Van. Yeah, I'm Van Havig with uh, Gigantic Brewing Company, also located in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Um, what do we do? Uh, we make IPA. Shockingly enough. I can't believe these guys have brewing licenses in Oregon because you're actually required by the state to make IPA. Mm-hmm. They've managed to get around that law. But uh, we make, <laughs> honestly, what we do is we make IPA all the time and uh, Imperial IPA, and everything else we do is seasonal limited release. So we make a bunch of different beers. We really don't give a crap about style or anything. We just sort of think of what we want to make and just do it. Right. We've had just some of your beers, and I know that. Um, Mike, we met you about a year and a half ago. So you're here, Christian, for this with Travel Portland, right? That's yes. Yeah, we are. Promotional super, event. We're super grateful. They brought us all out here. Um, beer is a big part of the Portland scene, obviously. And Travel mm-hmm. Portland just, you know, saw, you know, their fall campaign is all about beer. So they uh, approached us and said, you know, can we do something with your book? And we said that would be absolutely incredible. And then it kind of went from there and turned into a fantasy book tour for us. So they said, why don't you invite three of your favorite brewers from Portland and, <laughs> you know, we'll take the entourage out. So everyone got so in. So the first all. three, like, couldn't come. Yeah. So yeah. Come. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to tell you guys. But, uh, well, my, no, we met you about a year and a half ago the last time they did Travel Portland. You were, you were here at the Commons and the Urban... The, the HUB, the hub? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Hopworks. Yep, Hopworks. The Commons. I'm forgetting somebody else that was here. but Breakside. Um, Breakside, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, we were here last year for another Travel Portland event, um, and we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to come out again and join Christian and Andrea for uh, their book release mm-hmm. and then support you uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we, last time you came out, we, we got some, some of your bottles, yep. which went over well, the Urban Farmhouse and the Madrone. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I know and we've also had some gigantic here mm-hmm. um, and from you guys. What, what does it take, I mean, before we get into talking about Portland in the book, for you guys coming to New York City and, and selling beer in New York, in New York you know, what, what is the process of doing that? You know, is, is, <laughs> is it worth it for you guys? <laughs> You call up 12% and you say, hey, you want to take beer? And they say, yes. <laughs> That's pretty much what happens. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We, uh, the Commons sends a very limited amount of beer out here, um, and that's just because we're such a small brewery, but 12% is happy to take it and sprinkle it around town in places like yours, which is yeah. it's great. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not big either. I mean, we're not sending a shit ton of beer out here to New York. I mean, it's really, for us, the attraction in New York is really is sort of funny. It's the fact that we work with a whole lot of artists for our various beer labels. And there is some value to the artist in having your beer in New York City. Because to them, it's art on the shelves in New York City, right? And it gives us, we're hoping long-term, it gives us a little access to the New York art market because we're mainly like West Coast art market right now in Japan. So, and it's kind of a funny thing for us. We're sort of like, yeah, we're selling beer here, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. And for you guys, tomorrow night we have a <coughs> gigantic brain damage, the rise of Simcoe, and pipe wrench. Yes, actually, it's Sod Busted 3, the rise of the Simcoe, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Sod Busted Farms? Yeah, it's Sod Busted Farms. So we're, we're very close with a particular hop grower in Oregon. And so that beer, the uh, Side Busted Three, the Rise of the Simcoe, for everyone out there, it's a real, honest to God, true to God, real fresh hop beer. Hops came out of the field and two hours later were in the kettle. Um, so that's something that we get to do, which is a lot of fun, and we have access for fresh Simcoe and things like that. Um, yeah, the other beers, what else do we have? Oh, we have Pipe Wrench, right? Pipe Wrench, mm-hmm. Pipe Wrench which is a gin barrel aged IPA. There aren't a lot of Jen's agent in wood, but there happens to be one in Oregon, and we have access to those barrels. It's a pretty fun beer. And brain damage is like some ridiculous quad aged in Pinot and bourbon barrels for two years. It's a big, ridiculous thing, you know. You guys are proud of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, I just make beer, man. Well, Christian, t- tell us about these guys, because we know you're, you know, we loved your Ale Trails book, and, uh, you know, you've been out in Portland for a few years. Yeah. So, uh, what's it like visiting these guys' breweries and 
Oh, I'm they're the, making. The, I mean, the Portland scene is incredible. There's so many people doing great work and great beer. It just keeps growing. You know, when I when I moved away from I'm from Portland, so when I moved away uh, to New York um, in 2001 in September, two days before 9/11, actually, um, there were about I don't know 20 breweries in Portland, maybe 25. Now there's 90, I think. And is you know, it, it just keeps. I think in Portland. Yeah, in the Portland. Yeah, in yeah. the. You know, so it just keeps going. We have a beer culture there that is incredible, you know, so it's fun to be a part of that. And everyone helps each other out. We have tons of cool events, and, you know, it just keeps growing and evolving. So that is the, the cool thing to see, the progression, and everyone's just really supportive of each other. And, you know, it's a great industry like that. I think that's true nationally, but Portland has so much going for it. You'd think at some point it might, you know, kind of get weird. It just hasn't. It just get, keeps getting better. So, yeah, no, it's, it really is the case that all from the smallest to the largest breweries, everyone has a good relationship. You know, the largest breweries in town, you can walk into the largest breweries in town and say something like, hey, can I give this beer to your lab just to see, I don't know, what the actual alcohol content is or mm-hmm. how many IBUs or something? They'll be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Just tell you, I'll call you in a day or two. Okay. You know, everyone's willing to help each other out. So let's talk about your brewery. So let's talk. So Dan from Occidental, why don't you guys tell me about Occidental? Because you have such a tight community. And then we can talk about what, what, what uh, Andrea, what dish from your book you would pair with some of his beers. So who wants to start? Tell me about Occidental, Christian. Well, okay, Occidental, if I may be so bold. Please. Um, well, one of the reasons that we wanted to feature them in the book and on this tour is that they're one of the few breweries in the whole Portland area that totally focus so far on a lot of German styles. You know, it's a very hop-heavy town, a lot of crazy stuff going on, sour beers, a lot of beers with insane flavors, which is a good thing. But I really appreciate Dan's beer because it's, you know, clean, classic renditions of great old styles like Hefeweizen, and Alt Beer, Schwartz. You guys have a Schwartz beer? No, I don't uh, We have done Schwartz beer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, excellent beers in St. John's, which is a cool neighborhood. Um, yeah, it's up way up in North Portland. Very it's kind neat. of in the corner of Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful <laughs> bridge by it. It's, a, it's just a really cool thing. So, um, uh, big fan of the beer. So, it was, and it was great that we could get them yeah. along. My favorite it. thing about Occidental was talking to Dan one time about... We're, there's a few of us sitting around talking about naming beers, and Dan was like, yeah, it's really hard for us to name beers. Like, we made a Kolsch, so we named it Kolsch. <laughs> and then we had our Hefeweizen, we were like, we really batted that one around for a while, and then we came up with Hefeweizen. <laughs> Which rules. At least we know what it is. Yeah. 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 And well, it, I'll add, too, that uh, Occidental, well, and like the Commons, uh, has been super stubborn up at least until this point, and for the uh, foreseeable future, and have not yet made an IPA, um, which also suggests probably that um, in financial terms we're just ignorant or something. We don't, we don't, we don't get the uh, revenue stream that the IPA creates. Yeah. We just don't. This is, we can't comprehend that. Well, I mean, that's it's kind of bold of you, but we're seeing like we're, we're drinking right now a, a New York City made beer, Folks beer, and he's doing similar to what you are. He's not mm-hmm. doing IPAs; he's doing German styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, been a good niche for us. I mean, when we were first planning the brewery, we weren't sure that that's what we were going to do. Um, uh, but we decided to give it a try and see what would happen. And there were a few people that were like, yeah, good luck with that. Um, Assholes. But, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but it's worked out. Yeah, it's a good niche. I mean, I don't want to say that there's like necessarily backlash against the kind of Northwest hoppy beers, but there's definitely room for something else yeah. you know and that has the way, the way I'll put us. the way I'll put it is <clears throat> oh jeez 10 years ago in Portland everyone thought we had this really amazing beer scene but what I really thought it was that we had a scene with a lot of depth but almost no breadth I mean if you looked at almost everything that was being made mm-hmm. in 2005 in Portland everything was sort of hot based northwest mm-hmm. kind of beers mm-hmm. uh, and there was like no breath I mean I, I had been brewing on the east coast for a little bit and, and I would tell people all the time I'd be like fuck man Baltimore has like a better breadth of brewing scene than Portland does oh bullshit blah, blah. but it was totally true mm-hmm. you know and when guys like you know Mike and Dan came around you know five years ago or whatever and started making other stuff we fought, and Portland honestly finally has the breadth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a hop dominated market, but I think Absolutely. I think that's always going to be the case. I think it's going to be the case in the United States. Andrew, what 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 <clears throat> dishes from your book would you serve with Occidental? Sure. So we 
kind of divided the book based on the flavor profiles that you find in beer rather than styles. So the first chapter is all about light, crisp, and clean beers, and a lot of Dan's beers from Occidental <laughs> fall into that category. So one of the dishes that we really like with um, his Hefeweizen is a sweet corn griddle cake, and that's just fresh corn chucked off the ear and mixed with Parmesan cheese and some herbs and fried in a cast iron skillet. And it, the flavor of corn goes really well with Hefeweizen. So that's one of the pairings. Also, the Kolsch goes awesome with um, lobster rolls. Just the buttery <laughs> crust and like the like refreshing <clears throat> flavor of the beer is a great, great pairing. Are you serving some of these dishes at the Nomad tonight? Yeah, we're serving the lobster rolls. And then we also are serving pretzels. My first book was about pretzels, so we had to have a pretzel, of course, in our beer book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're serving the pretzels with his all beer. Wow. And yeah, in, in forward, Occidental, yeah. do you guys have a tap room, too? Yeah, so, I mean, we're basically, like, um, you know, similar to Commons and Gigantic. We're kind of a, a small production brewery. Um, but we do have a tap room at the brewery, uh, no food or anything, so not like, not like a brew pub, but you can come have a beer, fill a growler, hang out, play shuffleboard, you know. You have shuffleboard? Yeah, we've got a shuffleboard table, didn't I tell you about that? No. Uh, Craigslist. <laughs> you got a cool t-shirt, too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, man. So Occidental, I mean, what, anything else about Occidental? Because... Just they have shuffleboard. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? No, that's a great brewery. They had a, you guys had an Oktoberfest party as well, and yeah, we just did that um, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, we do that every year. Close off the parking lot in front of the brewery, and kind of those corn cakes sound good. And mm-hmm. I will say that. Cans of Occidental are really the best beer to have around when you're down in the valley shooting guns. <laughs> for, for sure. For yeah. sure. That's true. They have great, yeah, very, uh, very cool cans, um, cool looking. And, um, you know, Portland is such a food town, too, that when we started this, we are like, it was the best place to work on a book about beer and food because we had access to so many beers, um, local and imported beers. Um, beers from around the country make it to Portland as well. It's a pretty healthy bottle shop scene, too. So, um, and, you know, the food scene in Portland is crazy. It is super high end right now. There's so much going on, big food festivals. So we, we kind of felt there was a high bar to, to jump over with, with everything, but it was a great time, uh, town for that. Oh, we're off to a great start. This is a, we're doing a special morning recording at Jimmy's number 43. We'll be airing, when you, when you hear it, we'll be airing live at uh, Heritage Radio Network. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. L. Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Wow, we've got a special crew from Portland, Oregon in the studio tonight. Christian DeBenedetti and uh, brought three brewers from Portland, Oregon, and his co-author, Andrea, their great new book, Beer Bites. So right now, they're, they're probably over at the mm-hmm. Nomad. Um, you know, we listen to this at a special event. But right this morning, we recorded the show at Jimmy's number 43, and it's, it's, it's about 11.30 here, and... Uh, we're still struggling. I think it's about 8 o'clock your time, isn't it, guys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beer for breakfast. Beer for we got Mike. Mike from the Commons, you know, you came out last year when we met you, and uh, we, we were really psyched to get a little bit of your, your you know, Portland beers out here. Yeah. Um, the Madrone and the Urban Farmhouse are really popular. 
Good. in bottle. And we're really psyched to have you guys on tomorrow night. Jimmy's number 43. We've got the Commons, Occidental, and, and Gigantic. It's going to be a great night. Um, what do you guys have to say about the Commons? Because I know that your beers are kind of Belgian-y, but you're, you know, say you're using local ingredients. I mean, is, is what you're doing that different for Portland? Or, or is it you're just like another one of those cool, cool guys? Well, I can let it all, these guys jump in, but my take on that is um, maybe five years ago it was a little bit different, which is, I mean, how fast things evolve. But um, there's a number of breweries in Portland Metro doing similar things now. Um, yeah, but not not dedicated. Yeah, fair enough. You know, that's and that's yeah. I think the difference right there mm-hmm. is that that the Commons is really dedicated to a certain uh, sort of kind of. Call it rural continental philosophy of brewing, if I may, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and that and that's different. Uh, they haven't swayed from it. That's very cool. They they do a lot of neat experimental stuff, and 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 they they make beers with balance and subtlety, which is mm-hmm. beautiful. So, yeah, they are great beers. Um, one of the the coolest Both sites. Uh, good job, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. The, the uh, Craft Brewers <laughs> Conference was recently held in Portland, which everyone was looking forward to for years. And uh, Mike got his new new location open of the Commons, like what, uh, two days or something before CBC. Well, yeah, we had we had about eight days or something yeah. before CBC. Opened. <laughs> and then it was like this tsunami tidal wave of of you know beer fans five deep all week long in the uh, in the tap room. It was incredible. I mean, they were just slammed. Uh, but the, the great thing is, during that week, everyone was slammed. Everyone was hitting all the tap rooms, and uh, that was that was a really fun thing to have the spotlight on Portland for a few days. But yeah, we love their beer, and um, you know they're really excel with saison. So Andrea um, came up with this really great dish. Do you want to talk about the dish that we paired with the saison? Sure. Yeah. So we, like you're saying, saisons pair so well with food. We found that to be by far the best food pairing beer. And one of the dishes that we pair the um, the commons myrtle with is a Savoy cabbage roll that's stuffed with beef and barley, and then we made an ale cream sauce using the same beer. And the lemony tartness of the beer really contrasts the richness of the beef and the barley and those rich I'm, I'm into I'm into Savoy cabbage stuff. That that's a that's a great uh-huh. dish in yeah. general. Uh-huh. And not, not enough people are making it, are they? No, I mean, my mom used to make it. You've got to use a Savoy cabbage. It's yeah, different. my mom did not make it with Savoy cabbage. That's true. We kind of fancified the classic European recipe. But, yeah, when we were writing the book, we kind of wanted to give, um, you know, pay homage to some of these old classic beer food um, recipes and then also reinvent them in a way to make them kind of more in the modern era and a little more exciting. So that was the idea do, there. Do those dishes jive with you, Mike? That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Tonight at, the, at yeah. the Nomad, we're going to be serving a raclette with his um, urban farmhouse ale. I do have a cheese addiction. Yeah, so cheese and saison <laughs> is an amazing pairing. You know, the funkiness of the beer and the tartness go really well with the richness of cheese. So. How do you plan an event? So you're, you're at the Nomad, which is kind of a fancy restaurant, hotel in Manhattan. And you guys are here with Travel Portland. But what's the event going to be like when I get there? Is it a sit-down dinner? Is it just like a, a walk-around tasting? Uh, you know, this is Travel Portland um, really helped us put this together as a media event. So we're going to be in a room called the Johnstone Room. Uh, there's going to be iconic stations, and then six dishes from the book will be prepared. Uh, and then each of our brewers are going to be, you know, there presenting the beers. Pretty informal, I think. You know, not like a sit-down dinner or something. We'll be walking around and trying everything and kind of just chit-chatting. I think that's a truck outside with beer delivery. There so. we go. <laughs> this is what we do here. Well, tell us more about Mike. So the comments, you know, we've had so many beers. And what's your tap room like uh, in the neighborhood that you're in? Like, I'd like to know yeah. more about Portland. I'll probably never get there. Yeah. I only get to travel through the radio show. So Right. So we are uh, in the Central East Side District, um, which is basically just across the river from downtown Portland. Um, and it has long been a light industrial area. It's definitely going through change right now. Um, but we were really lucky. You got a cool old building on the corner of 7th and Belmont and essentially just kind of shook the dust off of it and uh, <laughs> built out uh, a little production space and a fun little tasting room. Um, we, def- we tried to, as best we could, maintain... Uh, a connection to the making part of it so there are no walls um, so you get to see, hear and smell 
the making process, which is, which is fun. I mean, it, it definitely keeps you connected to, to the actual process of making the beer, which, I don't know, we all find super romantic, even though it's really just manufacturing. Um, but yeah, it's a... <laughs> Dan, what, what are some of your... If you go over to the commons, you know, what, what would you see or how would you describe to other people? Um, well, basically, like, like Mike did, they, they, you know, they, um, moved as we know recently and it's almost like they kind of scaled up the, uh, the, the same scenario that they, that they had previously because the, the old brewery, you were almost basically, you're basically standing in in the brewery when you're having a beer. And so it's not quite like that. I think you managed to like keep the customers out of your way now, but you can, you know, you can, you can see into it and, uh. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a it's a cool space that uh, um, goes really well. So in with Portland, the beers, for your so. tap rooms, I mean, are most people drinking on premise, or can they walk away with growlers or, or cans? But thankfully, all of those things. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you can drink on premise. You can walk away with growlers, bottles, cans, whatever. Um, that particular draft brewer draft. Yeah, we can do dock sales there. We we are privileged um, and have. A lot, well, a lot of privileges uh, to be able to sell beer direct to consumer, which is fantastic. Yeah. And what about um, for, for other bars and restaurants? Can you sell to them also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the common self distributed for four plus years, so um, we did sell directly to bars and restaurants and bottle shops, et cetera, around town. We've recently partnered um, with a distributor who has a little more logistical expertise than we do, but uh, yeah, but we, we it, it's a great way. Um, to be able to start a small brewery. Yeah. Christian, what, what, what are some of the one or two beer bars in Portland that, that have these guys? And, and what are some of the other breweries that you'd see on tap? Oh, in Portland? Um, you know, there's great tap rooms. Apex is a great uh, beer bar with a huge selection. Bailey's Tap Room downtown and the Bailey's Upper Lip, I think is it called? It's like mm-hmm. that secret bar upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, those That's are both secret now. <laughs> yeah right. Oh, oops, we just let the secret out. Um, but that's a great that's a great spot. I mean, there's uh, they're increasingly all over the place. Um, I like the Imperial Bottle Shop over on Southeast Division. I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's a little tap room and, and bottle shop that's excellent. Um, the Tin Bucket is another great place uh, on North Williams. Um, so I have to mention the Horse Brass. Of course, yeah. Right. Can't not uh, mention the Horse Brass. A great classic. Uh, bar, but, I can't um, even keep track of uh, the number of places now, th- especially th- with like the, the the growler station oh, yeah, places totally. that are popping up yeah. everywhere. Well, in the suburbs too. So yeah. I live out in Newburgh, and on the way out to Sherwood, there are three different growler station type bars in Sherwood, like all around the highway, <laughs> like like convenience stores almost. You know? Yeah, they're yeah. full of people all the time. That's yeah. great. But well, the thing that so you had mentioned earlier, Christian, that you know they're whatever umpteen million breweries in Portland's like 90 or whatever now. Just so everybody knows, Portland has a population of about 600,000 people. <laughs> okay? Um, and uh, the real thing about Portland is you don't even realize, I mean, there are beer bars, sure, but every bar in Portland is a beer bar. I mean, you find, if you're even remotely in central Portland, which is like inside of 82nd Avenue on the east side and any place on the west side, I mean, the shittiest bar that you can find We'll basically have the draft selection will be like eight taps and it'll be paps and seven craft beers. Like period. Well, Pretty for that much, matter, yeah. the Shell gas station around the corner from us has an amazing bottle yeah, I mean, selection. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's <laughs> Portland is completely different than anywhere else. I mean, it's just beer equals craft beer in Portland, mm-hmm. period. That's a good point, good point. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about the common sphere from our book, um, since we were talking about the recipes earlier, um, I don't know if Mike's tried it yet, but we made, um, instead of a root beer float, we made a fruit beer float with uh, <laughs> sour beer. Uh, we used our Beer Royale, which is a cassis-flavored uh, sour beer. And, uh, but it's not, it's not super sour. It's like It was mid- mid-tart kind it's of. tart, yep. And made it into an ice cream float, basically. And uh, <laughs> so that, it's kind of hard to get that beer. And at first we felt really guilty. Like, oh, man, we're putting ice cream in. But it actually tasted incredible. So. Is that a kettle sour beer? It is a kettle sour beer. Yes. Yep. So, Andrew, th- this book is amazing. I-, I think people should just take your book and do whole menus for beer bars. Absolutely. I mean, you've got everything. <laughs> appetizers, soups, raclette. Yeah. Yeah, it's really Food focused floods. on foods that are party-friendly. You know, like have a group of friends over, open some really nice bottles of beer, and kind of create more of an experience with tasting beer rather than just... 
sitting out back and drinking, which is also fun. But it's nice to have a little food to go with it. So that was if, if you're listening live, you got to come. You won't be able to go to the Nomad by the time you hear this, but Wednesday, which is tomorrow night, uh, Jimmy's number 43. It's actually our 10-year anniversary, and this is so cool that you guys happen to be coming on that same day. So we'll have uh, the three different breweries, Gigantic, Occidental, and Commons on tap. We'll have uh, Andrea and Christian here signing their books, and uh, we'll have a bunch of beer-friendly snacks for everybody. So come on out. It's just, I'm, I'm pretty psyched that you guys, you guys wanted, wanted to come here. Um, there's so many great places in New York City, you know, Blind Tiger and Spite and Dival that, that seem to always get, you know, all, all the special out-of-town guests. So why'd you pick Jimmy's number 43? Oh, man, I, I, it had to be here. I love this place. <laughs> um, I've had uh, a lot of great birthdays here as well. So when I lived in New York for eight years, uh, I probably had five birthdays here um, with a big group of friends, fellow writers and stuff. And we just jammed jam this place up with, uh, with friends and good beer, so... Uh, it seemed like a natural spot to uh, to come and celebrate the book being out and get some friends together. I love hearing about Portland. You know, I, I don't get to travel that much, and that's why I love doing the show. I get to meet people from all over. So, where should I have my birthday party in Portland, Oregon? You know, at one of your tap rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Start yeah. early. I know the the Craft Brewers Conference was really big this year in Portland. I know, like our producer Justin Kennedy was there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have great things to say about it. I mean, so so Portland really is that great beer town, isn't it? You feel that way about it, Van? Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I mean this when I say this. I like to describe Portland as, look, we won in Portland. Like, there is no fight about craft beer versus large domestic. We won in Portland. The actual numbers are over 65% of all draft beer consumed in the city of Portland is made in Oregon. There are no major breweries in Oregon, right? It's craft. You throw in beer imported, quote-unquote, from other states uh, as craft, you're now up to somewhere probably around 70% throwing Pabst. You're up to around maybe 80 85%. And you have 85% of the draft beer market is not Miller Bud Coors in Portland, Oregon. I mean, Miller stopped advertising in Portland somewhere around the late 90s because their advertising didn't pay off. I mean, it is a completely different market than everywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So for all you people out there who are like, my beer market's doing really great, we're growing, it's amazing scene. Bullshit, come to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, a typical, what's a typical bar snack in Portland? Wow. What's a t- like if you had to pick a snack to serve at you. I have to say pretzels. Yeah. Ultimate really? bar snack anywhere. Yeah, pretzels. Soft pretzels? Uh, Soft pretzels. Do you pretzels. see them, though? Yeah. yeah. Do you see them for yeah, I see them all over. Oh, really? Yeah. I, we don't have pretzels, but maybe we're going to have to work on it. Ours is, we have like, a lot of meat and cheese boards. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, charcuterie and cheese. Yeah. I think it's, you yeah. see a lot of that. Yeah. There are a lot of locals. Sorry, I'm just being honest. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> there should be more pretzels. A okay, lot I have more to pretzels. Say, my pretzel dar is really high. I'm always looking. <laughs> what, what was the name of your pretzel book? Pretzel <laughs> making at home. <laughs> Same publisher, Chronicle Books. Yeah, there's a cool story about that, actually. Um, yeah. Andrea's book, The Pretzel Book, and then um, how we got to know Eric Asimov separately. He wrote the foreword for our book, which for which we are eternally grateful. I mean, he's a, he's a huge figure in the food and wine and beverage world. And I met him at a wine conference, actually. Mm-hmm. I was actually seated next to him, and which was an amazing thing because all these winemakers from around the world, Burgundy, were coming up and kind of like... Meeting like meeting royalty, being will you please try this wine? Yeah, New York Times yeah. wine writer, That's unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he was huge. And when he writes about beer, they're very very popular. Those columns are, are mega. So um, I got to know him then. He was really really uh, open to staying in touch, and um, you know I told him about the books I was doing, etc. And then Andrea met him around the same time, but yeah, a different. I met him when I was at a book signing at a wine event for my pretzel book. Oddly. But um, we were seated next to each other at this book signing, and he was, like, really interested in making pretzels, bought a copy of my book, went home, and made pretzels with his son, and was, like, you know, social media all over the pretzel thing. And so we just kind of kept in touch over that as well, and it was awesome that, you know, when we were writing this book about beer and food pairing, we thought it would be great to ask him to write the forward, since he is so knowledgeable about beverage and Preparing, so yeah, he, yeah, he agreed right away. He actually said one cool thing. He said, "I I will help you guys out on one condition because um, I love your books. Um, both of them are great, um, but I, I'm not going to do this unless you unless this book does not snobify beer in any way." Um, 
you know, if, and I said, look, Eric, I pr- I promise, I truly believe, if you look at the book, you're gonna you're gonna agree that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to dumb it down either, uh, but we want this to be accessible and fun. So we sent him the book. He agreed right away, and then uh, and then wrote a foreword for us. So um, I think a lot that's really gonna help us. A lot of people are who look up to to him are gonna you know give the book a second look. I think you know. Um, so we're really lucky to have it. That's great, man. I'm really proud of you guys, and thanks for coming out. The, the guys from Portland, Oregon here at uh, Beer Sessions Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right. to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we've got some guys and ladies here from Portland, Oregon, talking about Beer Bites, the new book, and uh, three brewers from Oregon. And Andrea, you're the co-author of Beer Bites. What's your full name? It's Andrea Slonifer. And you also wrote a book about pretzels. Yes. So we're talking about Portland beer and beer and food pairings and all this stuff. So next we're going to we're going to talk with Van from Gigantic Brewing. I think I think of the trio here, I think more New Yorkers have, have, have heard of Gigantic. I know you've been in the market. We've, we've had a few of your kegs on before. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us tell us what it was like opening a brewery in Portland and uh, you know, a little bit of your backstory. <clears throat> oh, jeez. I've been brewing for getting close to 21 years now. Um, <clears throat> I was a Ph.D. candidate in economics back in the early 90s, and I dropped out. And I took a job at a really big brewery, Minnesota Brewing Company. We made Pete's Wicked Ale, R.I.P., uh, back in the day. Um, and then, uh, well, when was that though? Like, what back that, in the day? <laughs> that was uh, 1995. Wow. Yeah, that's when I started brewing. Um, and uh, then I went to a little company some people may have heard of called Rock Bottom Breweries and Restaurants, and I worked for them for like 16 years. And honestly, it was a really good company to work for for a long time. Uh, but some things happened. I didn't like. I shot my mouth off. I got fired. Um, and uh, that was all in Portland. And uh, so my business partner, Ben Love, who had been brewing at Pelican, which is a pretty darn well-known brewery out on the Oregon coast. They won a shit ton of awards at GABF and stuff. And he had moved on to Hopworks Hub, uh, which he had uh, last year. Um, he was the original sort of brewer there. And he wanted to do something on his own. So we got together and we started Gigantic. And t- to tell you the truth, we had a real advantage in the sense that I had been brewing in the Portland market for... 12 years by the time we opened up. Ben had been in the Oregon market for about eight years by the time we opened up. So we had that advantage of sort of people knowing us already. So, you know, it was still hard. But you, you went hard <laughs> from day one with IPAs, right? Yeah, you know, we both, look, we're both Oregon brewers and we like hops, we'll admit it. We make a lot of other things that aren't hoppy, but, you know, we really decided that we, but it's very funny, when Ben and I first started out, we, we realized very quickly that we thought about beer the same way. It's not the most common thing in the world. Um, but uh, <clears throat> we realized that we liked our IPAs the exact same way and that we really, frankly, didn't see a lot of that style of IPA in the Oregon market. We're both sort of down on bitterness, like really sort of bright, aromatic beers. And so that's, that's what we really came to the market with. And then everything else we do is just sort of like we just have ideas. We're like, screw it, let's make it, you know. So we've done everything from, we made a Rauch Weizen that we really liked, the small type of Weizen. We've made a bunch of Saisons, and we make barrel-aged beers, and we've done kettle sour beers, and we've, I mean, we, whatever, you know, we make all kinds of shit. Tell us, what's the brain damage? We're going to have that on tap tomorrow night. So brain damage is a Belgian quad. It's, I can't remember the, you know, we invented writing, so I wouldn't have to remember anything. Um... I think it's, I want to say it's like 12 or 14% alcohol. I can't remember. It's a big, big beer. The thing is, like, I don't remember because we made it, you know, two years ago. And then we put it in, uh, it's uh, 75% bourbon barrels uh, and uh, 25% Pinot Noir barrels. And then uh, that blended all back together. And some of that bourbon is Kentucky bourbon and some of it's Oregon. 
um, and then uh, blend it back together. It's a it's a big kind of monstrous beer with like very subtle wine notes and big bourbon notes and there's a you know big hefty malt component to it. Um, the thing is, you know, as you make those, it's originally a real yeast forward beer, you know, Belgian quad, but you put it in a barrel and a lot of that ester kind of gets eaten by the wood and whatnot, so it changes a lot over time. What what, what made you go to Portland in the first place? Um, well, in the first in the first place, never been I went to college in Portland. Um, so uh, I went to college in Portland, met my wife there. We left Oregon and then basically spent the next eight years trying to get back to Portland. Is that a good answer? That's a good one. Because that's the truth. What about you, Mike? <laughs> well, uh, I followed a girl to Portland and then life evolved, but uh, I stayed. Yeah. Sounds like a song. <laughs> I'm going to try to understand what this Portland is. And what about you, Dan? Well, you're I'm not from, from Oregon, are you? No, I'm from Montana originally, and so Portland is kind of where you end up. Like, you can move to, <laughs> if you're going to move to a city from Montana, you either move to Seattle or you move to Portland, and at least currently Portland is still the cheaper option, so I don't, that might change. And but. it's a little more comfortable for Montanans, too. It's not yeah. as big. Yeah, yeah, it's not Nothing against quite Montana. as, uh, you know, it's not as big of a city as Seattle. There's a big Montana expat community. In Portland, True, so. yeah. yeah. All right. Andrew, what would you pair with uh, some of the gigantic beers? Well, um, they gigantic, sound really big. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say gigantic is was a really fun one because they have such a wide range of styles, but also a lot of really big flavored beers. So one, of, he mentioned the quad. That one of that one of the beers that we would pair with that, sorry, foods is um, these baby back ribs that have a caramelized orange marmalade glaze on that side of them and they're kind of braised with lots of spices and so they have these really big flavors that stand up to a quad like that um he does ipas and we haven't really touched on ipa today (laughs) so um that was one of the beer cells that was really difficult for us because of the bitterness obviously it's a really um challenge big challenge to pair yeah ipa is like the worst food pairing yeah it's it was a challenge but what we found is that foods with really high acid kind of stand up to that bitterness and kind of balance each other out quite well. So tonight at this party, we're serving, um, oh, also fat and sweet kind of match up with them well, too. So we're serving these um, pork belly lettuce wraps, and the pork belly is kind of cooked with hoisin, which is this Chinese sauce that kind of has a lot of sugar and um, rich flavor. Yeah, exactly. So the bold flavor of that will pair really nicely with a double IPA. And then also it's topped with um, pickled daikon radish, carrots, kumquat. So the pickle, you know, that yes. sour goes well with the bitterness as well. One of my favorite styles of beer to pair with almost any food are like kind of German wheat beers. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you, I just feel like they're so food friendly. Yeah. You guys want to talk yeah, about absolutely. that? Absolutely. I mean, you have some spice. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a lot of elements uh, that work with a variety of foods. So, yeah, we, we kind of tended to start on that end of the spectrum. Um, the, the number of uh, dishes that in, in the book that are paired with uh, wheat-based beers is very high. Saisons and wit beers are by far the number one. And that was kind of the wit beer thing was pretty wild, although we're not serving one uh, tonight. Um, we found that wit beer was the only style that could um, pair up with tomato. Tomato is like the hardest flavor in the world to pair with beer because it's both sweet and tangy at the same time. And uh, if, the, if it's been roasted, you have other flavors going on. So it's very it's very confusing on the palate when you're trying to go with beer. But wit beer amazingly works with it. So mm-hmm. um, you guys as brewers, do, do you think a lot about pairing with food, or you're just focused on your beers? You know, I have to be perfectly honest. I don't think about that very much. Like when I go, I'm, I'm also the guy that like I'll. I don't drink a lot of wine, but I'll drink red wine with fish, and I, I break all the rules. Like I just drink what I want to drink. Yeah. Sometimes that doesn't work out, but <laughs> usually it's okay. So like we'll we'll do a lot of, uh, um, and I'm sure these guys have too done uh, beer dinners. You know where you work with a chef at a restaurant, and they pick some of your beers and they pair it with stuff, and they always like ask me like, well, "What do you think we should you know pair with this or that?" And I'm like, "You know what? You guys decide because." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just not that guy. So I'm not. I don't say, I'm not saying that you that you that pairing isn't a, a viable thing. It's just not my uh, not really my wheelhouse. So I leave yeah, that to the, yeah. to the I, experts here. Yeah, I pair beer with another beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, actually, I'm, I'm being a smartass. But actually, as a brewer, to be perfectly honest, my concern is not at all about uh, pairing beer with food. No offense to anybody. 
my concern as a brewer is uh, making sure that the beer has what the British call Moorishness, right? Um, it doesn't matter what kind of beer you're drinking, you should want more of it, right? That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and, and that to me is what I worry Moor-ish-ish. about. Moorishness. Yeah, it's more, uh, this beer is very Moorish. It has Moorishness, right? I mean, they, they mm. literally say that. And uh, not a ton of them, you know, it's not like some chav in the street fucking lager allowed to say, Moorish, Moorish, you know, but. Um, Chris, you get to hang out with these guys all the time. Don't oh you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but you know what I mean. I mean, and, and yeah, even yeah. like a really big beer, even like a really crazy beer, Moorish just means well, you know, maybe it's a six ounce serving, but I'll have another six ounce serving. It doesn't mean you need to be drinking, you know, liters of it or anything like that. It's, it's whatever the unlike you know, there's some beers I guess in the world I can't really finish one or I wouldn't order. I see, no, no, yeah, no, good. yeah. That's no, kind no. of my test is if, if I'm gonna if I want to keep yeah. ordering it, mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Somehow that works. Yeah. How about how about you, Mike? I mean, yeah, I, we don't <clears throat> at the Commons don't design beers with a you know particular meal in mind or anything like that. But uh, we we do want the beers to be food friendly, and that's really because of the way that I drink beer, which is often uh, eating alongside. So you know, hanging out with friends and families and other brewers, and we're eating and drinking. So I, we wanted to have food friendly beers. Yeah. Andrew, what do you have any spicy spicy food recipes in your in your beer bites book? Yeah, we do. Um, we the do crab. these wok fried chili crab crab legs, mm-hmm. which are really spicy. They have this amazing chili sauce on the outside of the crab legs. And with IPA, yeah, that's actually paired with IPA. Surprisingly, because yeah. for the most part, I found IPA to be too like the kind of bitterness enhanced the spiciness. To the point where it's yeah, a lot like of times I just like to drink IPA yeah. by itself. Yeah, almost yeah. as a song course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it about that though? It, it was just a weird matchup of kind of the intensity, I think, of the beer flavors with the heat, kind of you know not canceling each other mm-hmm. out. You know, you uh, you would sort of want to reach for a light lager or Sapporo or some you know super mm-hmm. light beer, um, and that those would kind of work. But often those grainy flavors in those beers came out too much. So something about the, the chili is actually kind of similar to a fruity flavor in some ways. And uh, so, yeah, it was one of the big surprises of the book, for sure, was that we could take a super intense, you know, hot crab dish and pair it with an American-style IPA. I've had some spicy dishes with, with sour beers, too. Yeah. I feel like that's a pairing that people don't talk about too much. Yeah, yeah, I know. There is a whole chapter in here that we call Sour and Complex. You know, we one of the things we didn't want to do, going back to what Eric had asked of us, is to not go too far along with rules. We're not saying to try to lay out a, mm-hmm. a bunch of rules that people have to follow. Like, you have to have crab with IPA. Or, no, we're saying this is what works for us. Mm-hmm. And if you have fun pairing, you know, beer and, and food, that's the point. It's the journey. Um, you know, go and try these things. If it doesn't work, try a different beer. If you don't personally like it, that's great because... You know, beer is subjective as well. So we definitely didn't want to lay down the law. It was more about, mm-hmm. like, let's make this fun uh, and open it up to flavors as well. Thinking about beer in terms of flavor, so the non-initiated can think about beer that way rather than learning styles like, what's Pilsner again? What's the difference between Pilsner and Hellas beer? Um, you know, those we're not concerned with that. We want people to think about flavor, you know, and, and how it expresses in beer and how it matches with food. So, yeah, if I can say one other thing about pairing beer and food it's <clears throat> honestly I think that I think that chefs are way more adept at it than brewers mm-hmm. are like far 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 more adept at it we work within a, a frankly reasonably limited flavor spectrum mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a pretty broad flavor spectrum but it's not even remotely what chefs can do and chefs are mm-hmm. so used to having to deal with bringing all kinds of flavors in and all these sorts of things we work we work in one medium mm-hmm. it's a very specific liquid medium mm-hmm. and we're good at it but chefs have to work in all kinds of media. And, I, I mean, it's so it's like, like when Dan and I are like, I don't know, we just make beer, we make beer that we think tastes good. I'm not, I'm frankly not capable of pairing beer and food. I'm just not. I don't know enough about how food works. I just eat it. Yeah, I was you just going to say that, like, we're sitting here listening to three brewers say, like, oh, yeah, we don't really think about the food, we just make the beer, da, 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 you know. <laughs> and it's kind of like you have, to, you have experts here who reverse engineer, you know, what we've made to figure out, like, what to, yeah. what to put it together with. Yeah. Yeah, so. Did we miss one, Andrea? Is, is there one other pairing that you want to mention? Um, sure. Well, you mentioned um, sour ales. We should probably talk about that because that is such a you know hot category right now. Um, we really love the way that you know sweetness and funkiness and kind of 
unusual flavors worked with sour ales. Um, cheeses go really well with them. Um, we did, you also mentioned spicy, we did these tamarind fish sauce chicken wings, which have a good amount of heat in them, and that paired nicely, just the kind of acidity and sweetness of the wings. Kind of that was a Flemish red, I think, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very sour beer. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was unusual. Again, you would think with a spicy wing, someone's going to reach for you know a Japanese rice lager or something, you know, really light. But those beers didn't really do the trick, you know. And oh yeah, another um, Andrea's handing me the uh, book here. Our probably our all-time favorite recipe in the book is um, mussels and celery goose cream sauce. So um, goose is a style of lambic. You guys know that um, aged beer, wood aged beer. So. We cook the uh, we cook the, the mussels and, and goose and then serve the goose on the side. This is like one of the more traditional you know recipes in the book um, where we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Like let's let's do the classic celery, um, but the the tartness of the beer, lemony kind of minerality, just it's insane how it works with mussels. Yeah, the kind of the original it. thing about this recipe though is that we used the beer in kind of place of wine. Wine would be more right. you know mm-hmm. those flavor profiles that you find in a acidic wine. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what we were going for there. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's this is what we hope. You know, not a stuffy book, but it's also not dumbed down. There's no beer cheese in here. We're not like um, we're not talking about cooking with beer. To me, that seems kind of gimmicky a lot of times. But there are a few dishes like this one where we did use the the beer in the recipe. But um, in a way, you know, we're talking about reverse engineering. Um, that was the challenge. I mean, you're taking a very complex set of food flavors with a beer with a lot of complex internal flavors going on and trying to match them it is really tough sometimes mm-hmm. so um that's why we wanted to you know de kind of deconstruct de- you know and go by flavor sometimes i feel like you got to have the food dish in front of you and then sample three or four different beers to see which one really pairs with it i mean it's hard to put together a, mm-hmm. a pairing menu and i have a feeling that you did that we had a lot of fun <laughs> with that <laughs> as you can imagine it was like but so again so you're saying beer bites the book by Christian Benedetti and Andreas Sloniker, forwarded by Eric Asimov, our buddy. So this would be something if I want to, at home, host some beer and food pairing parties. This, this might be a good place to start. And you guys, one more time, just gentlemen from Portland, just tell me your names and your brewery, because uh, we're almost out of time. Van Havre, gigantic brewing company. Yeah, I'm Mike Wright from the Commons Brewery. And Dan Inger from Occidental Brewing Company. All right, this has been a great show. I really appreciate it. All these guys came out from Portland, Oregon. They're here in New York City, and tomorrow night they'll be at Jimmy's number 43. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Christian, Andrea, Mike, Van, and Dan for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Justin Kennedy and Maggie Side, and our engineer, Jack Kinsley. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.